Hi everyone, welcome in. My name is Daniel, and this is another episode of the Be The Vessel podcast. Today I have another special guest named Shireen Webb. Shireen is a trained clairvoyant energy worker with years of experience in various modalities and disciplines of metaphysical healing. She has advanced gifts in the psychic realm and is also a licensed minister of the Church of the Divine Man. I'm excited for this interview since I have worked with Shireen personally and continue to. I hope you enjoy this exploration of all that Shireen has to offer. May this be a gift, an invitation, and a medicine to all who are ready to receive it. Hi, Shireen. Thanks so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. I'm so excited to be here. Great. So I'd like to start with... um, Something I was I was learning as I was just reading a bit about you on your website, and I've worked with you for for probably uh, a few years now. I'd like to think, um, but it was interesting uh, just to see the extensive list of your education and and trainings that I hadn't really known about. And one thing that stuck out to me uh, was a heavy influence of architecture and landscape design in your in your education and i was curious what guided you to that area if you can say initially and do you see a connection between that visual medium no pun intended and <laughs> and what you do now um gosh what guided me there it was an accident <laughs> <laughs> good um i've been studying business uh for about two and a half years and and i just noticed on my uh, grades that things that were business related didn't have the best grades because i tended to avoid going to class (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so i just decided that i needed to find something that i was excited about going to and uh, i did take Oh, you know, the college career center assessments, whatever, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And it, it showed, you know, maybe architecture or, or things. And I had in high school been really drawn to architecture. Uh, but I'm, I'm competitive in some ways. But my teachers were like, I don't know if you're competitive enough for that field. Mm. <laughs> um, and I wish I almost, I, I really kind of wish I hadn't listened to them in high school, but uh, I did. And everything works out. So uh, anyway, I signed up for uh, this intro to landscape architecture. And the professor there, he was originally from Israel and he had done a bunch of gardens everywhere, but he was showing us this project that he did with the government of Israel to restore the cedars of Lebanon in Israel. And it was just incredible. I mean, it wasn't like overnight, right? This was a five, seven, 10 year, I don't even know, project that he'd been contracted on where it started out as just arid, sandy, nada, (laughs) nothing there, um, to designing and planting uh, things that would stabilize the ground and hold water. And I guess the youth corps there, that was their job was to just water these plants and do this thing. And then pretty soon he was able to plant 
uh, a different level of trees and bush and and then pretty soon planted the cedars and he had slides all the way through of this restoration of nothing to this gorgeous dense forest and i was like i want to do that <laughs> <laughs> i want to restore uh start the environment i've i've always been a nature child i mean i grew up in oregon in rural oregon where forest was kind of the backyard mm-hmm. <laughs> lakes and everything so it was just uh i don't know just drew to me and then i hit a bunch of roadblocks on that as far as well, i was already a junior and turns out architecture or landscape architecture for a college degree is five years from the day you start because you have to go through all the design studios and they're progressive. And so University of Oregon said, we don't take juniors. <laughs> You'll have to finish a degree and apply for your master's. And uh, I'm a wee bit stubborn sometimes, especially when somebody tells me what I can't do. <laughs> and so uh, I just started looking around at, at schools and West Virginia University was like, we'll take you. Come on down. So I spent well one semester in West Virginia and part of one summer. Uh, but it was for a 20-year-old at the time, for me as a 20-year-old at the time, it was way too far away from any other family. I just mm-hmm. had, <laughs> I was my island and there was no support. I mean, my parents talked to me and stuff, but you know, it's not the same, especially in in the early 90s where internet did not exist, cell phone did not exist. You know, you had to prepay for your minutes. You had to budget up wisely and uh, <laughs> all of that. So, uh, I don't know. Long story short, it was an accident. I love, I love the functionality and the beauty that architecture is, that living spaces aren't just about throwing rooms together in a block. It's about how light interacts with the room, how people utilize space. It doesn't need to be big necessarily. It's just got to be well-designed. Um, and I have toyed from time to time with trying to figure out a marriage between feng shui architecture and what I do, you know, like, could I create healing houses that are just kind of designed mm. a certain way? But that well, would because take probably a lot more effort than I'm ready for right now. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting because I was going to mention, it's like, well, you work with light and energy, you know, in the spiritual realm and within human beings. And, and does that relate to the way that you see um, this sort of landscape um, environments? I think for me, it relates mostly in to shine our brightest, to be who we are. We have to be in an environment that supports us. And, you know, that's different for every person. There are people who absolutely thrive in downtown New York. If you took them out of downtown New York, they would wither and die. And then there's, you know, people more like me who is like, so this city thing, where's Where's nature? In fact, my husband and I uh, went to Portland three years ago for our uh, 19th wedding anniversary. You know, rural Oregon to Portland, like, oh, we'll do some city things. And, and we went to the Japanese gardens 
And then we found the nature path that took us to the Grove of Redwoods inside the city. And I'm like, so we traveled to the city so we could find nature. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's just who we are. So, um, yeah, there is definitely correlation. Light is so important to the human psyche. And when you're in houses where there isn't natural light flow or you can't move with it, yeah, study after study, if you watch any of the architectural documentation or uh, some of the TV shows around that, that's, you know, it's all about, we got to get light in here. You got to be with the light because otherwise people just don't thrive. They get hemmed in. So I don't know if that's <laughs> where yeah. you're going with that. But. Well, and, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, of course, like I can accept that people are different and psyches are different though. It is hard for me to imagine um, that certain human beings aren't ultimately uh, drawn to the natural world to, to amplify their light. Even if, even if the ego mind is like, no, I like, you know, the, the big city buildings and whatever, if that breeds competitive spirit or, or a different kind of amplification or something, it's hard to imagine that just like all plants grow toward the light, that all human beings wouldn't be drawn on some level to the Well, world. where's where's the most expensive part of New York to live? It's around Central around Park. Central right? Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, energy grids in the planet where they collide much are like much like the chakras in the body. Right. So where New York City is, where L.A. is, where London is, where there's all these energy lines that collide and it draws energy to there. And so it draws people there. And, you know, it's like the meridians. I don't know. You have 10,000 minor chakras in the body. No, I haven't memorized them. (laughs) But but there are maps of them. You can Mm. you can look them up. and then we talk about the seven major ones where all those energy lines coalesce and, and crisscross. Interesting. So a part, uh, uh, part of me wanted to ask when you were first speaking, um, what is it you were doing when you were avoiding going to class? Because, because, the, <laughs> because the second thing I wanted to ask is it's interesting that maybe you weren't so um, engaged with academics at the time, though likely because it wasn't lighting you up, but seeing all the certifications and training you've done since, you know, is it safe to say that you actually do like to learn? And and is there something uh, about the experience of learning and training that you're drawn to? Or did you just really feel kind of like architecture that you really needed all of these certifications and things to pursue to really perfect your service? Um, Yeah. I do do love school. My my sons and I talk about this because none of them enjoy going to school. Like they like the people and the teachers and the things. I hated it. But they didn't really enjoy the learning. And school was not a comfortable place for me. I had teachers I liked, and I had a couple close friends. But social wise, it was just I didn't like it. But the learning, the stuff, you know, I still I geek out. I love watching Physics Girl. I just, you know, on YouTube, I just, I'm like, wow. There's is, a is, that a, is that a YouTube just, channel? It is. Um, and, and I just love the way, I just love learning. I don't necessarily love school. Um, 
Yeah, different. So what I was doing, actually, most of the time when I wasn't going to the business classes was uh, going to the coast. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) uh, But I I actually, I like business a lot. I have to, I have my own business. There's things I've learned, there's stuff, but I don't know. The intro classes for business just didn't catch my attention. Mm. I mean, I went to them, I did the stuff. Accounting, I understood to a certain point, and I just couldn't flip a switch in my brain. I don't know. (laughs) It was just like I, I took it and withdrew. I took it and withdrew. I took it, got help, tried to do what couldn't pass it. So I was like, all right, I am not an accountant. Good yeah. to know. Uh, so there's it. I don't know. For me, college was a lot of where I discovered more about me because there was a lot of expectation or this is what you do. This is what life is like. And, and I really, who I am and what I do and what's my natural talents don't really fit into any of those grids that were presented. So. Yeah, well, I can certainly understand that. I can certainly understand first having to discover what is not you to then discover what is you. And um, and speaking of that, what was your first experience of what you might consider uh, the spiritual realm. Now, the spirit. Now, the word "spiritual" means different things to different people. Not to mention, it's likely changed for you since you probably first experienced something like that. But I'm curious what what your first experience of the divine was, and and the first way you came to understand it. Oh, so many angles to that question. Um, well, I was raised in a, a Protestant church. And then a four square church. And I deeply connected with God. Jesus was okay. <laughs> I like him. I like him. But, you know, when people talk about Jesus, he was kind of amorphous to me. Uh, but God, God, I understood. I could connect to God. I can remember being probably four. And, you know, in the way that adults do, they had us children in a room and like gave us paper. Here, draw heaven. And I was drawn away and, or draw God, I don't remember which. And I was drawn away and I, you know, showed the lady and she goes, well, that's not heaven. (laughs) That's not God. And I remember being just really like, how do you know? I could see it. I could see it in my head. Like Mm. I, I had such a certainty at that age that what I was seeing in my head was true. Mm. (laughs) Um, So as far as, that goes maybe that was the first knowingness that that I knew something that they didn't um, mm. or that she didn't anyway <laughs> but <laughs> you know then life progresses and uh, when I was ages five to nine I used to have a lot of prophetic dreams uh, dreamt my parents got divorced dreamt I mean just all kinds of things and like down to details and uh, and these things a, came true. Yeah, those were a bit, I, you know, I on one level, I'm sure I was preparing myself, right? Like, oh, oh, I saw this happen. I know it's going to happen. That's kind of safe. But on the other, <laughs> on the other side of that coin, it was tremendously overwhelming. Sure. Um, and by the time I was 12, and we were going to church in this traveling 
evangelical group came through and they were just preaching about all the evils in the world. And for whatever reason, they were really psychics are evil or, you know, people who have dreams are, you know, they're false prophets. Or, so, you know, after a week of them being there, I was convinced without a shadow of a doubt, I was a thousand percent evil by their definition. I was like, mm. And uh, I, I went into the church and I prayed. I had them pray with me to remove all of this evilness from me to really shut down all of that. And it, it worked for a while. Uh, in w- when you say it worked, what do you mean? I lost a part of myself that I, I couldn't access it anymore. Ah. And I could feel the difference. I no mm. longer could see in the way I, you know, prior to that, you only know what you know, right? Sure. <laughs> so the way I could see colors or the way I saw energy, you know, I was like, that was normal. And then suddenly, yes, I wasn't blind, but I certainly noticed the difference. And so I was like, ah. oh, it worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then when I was a few years older, I kind of wanted it back. Uh, but it really wasn't until in my 30s, I was working with a mentor, energy healer. And she said, what in the world did you do to your sixth chakra? I said, what do you mean? She says, it looks like a sapphire that somebody took a hammer to and just shattered all the way through. And and what are where I am now, I understand their prayers didn't do that. My desire to not sure. be able to not have that, I did that to myself. Mm. Kind of with within the realm of their energetic support. So, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so um how has that how has your experience of that gift of that sight and seeing changed over the years and actually i was also curious what drew you back to it like as it was blocked what what sort of if you can speak to what feeling came over you that was like i think i want that back and how has that how has your relationship to it changed over the years if at all well i tell you uh my friends and i never gave up kind of doing playing with oracle cards or astrology or mm, <laughs> even those yeah. things even though you know uh even though so it was forbidden was, in some ways or yeah it was it was naughty yeah. <laughs> you know? it, it was a little bit of rebellion in what yeah. sense uh although actually when i was right after they came through in prayer I, you know i was determined that i was going to prove astrology wrong i was mm. going to save the world from astrology mm. <laughs> and the more I started learning about it, you know, because to, to debunk something, you got to research it. You got to know it. Right. And the more I started reading and the more I started looking, I'm like, huh, <laughs> there's some, I just could see some things about my family, about different things. I was like, there's something in this. I don't know that it's wrong. You know, from my perspective, you can't give power to it. Like it doesn't decide what's happening in your life, but you know, to me, it's it's kind of a, a roadmap. It's like people are like, I wish I had a guide for life. It's like, well, here's your chart. And here's some things that may or may not influence you. Or if you're feeling this, this is kind of where it's going on. But yeah, that was so. Anyway, I think part of me just always stayed who I was. Well, and and what was 
the part of you that was wanting to prove it wrong was that the religious affiliation oh yeah yeah just wanting to please religion mm. <laughs> please my my family's belief system please all of that i wanted and to be good yeah <laughs> i wanted to be <laughs> good good girl i want to be the best. yeah don't we all um, <laughs> and so has your relationship with religion shifted and how and does it still and i know you that you're um uh, a licensed minister right yes yeah and so right. and so do you still integrate these two spheres religion and spirituality and, and in what ways yeah uh i mean i spent quite a few years kind of delving into lightly you know i i didn't go to a lot of different, but lightly into Judaism, lightly into Hinduism, lightly into different things. And I kind of found places where things intersected. And I thought, ah, oh, there's probably a truth in there. Uh, and, and mostly what I came to in my own personal belief is there's, you know, maybe one, one God, one creator, a thousand faces, you know, um, hmm. I, I often look at, well, the Roman empire lasted millennia <laughs> and they weren't, you know, they did not treat their gods and goddesses as mythology. That was the center of their lives. Right. <laughs> and the same with, uh, you know, any, anybody that, that is focusing on a religion they're and it's central to their life. They are connecting with the god or goddess of their heart in a way to have that connection. And I, I really think religion was born of man trying to understand God <laughs> and not something that God gave down. And people will probably take exception to that, and that's okay. Mm. <laughs> but that's that's my purpose. Well, and, and it seems like what you're alluding to is that um, that, that attempt to understand can be distorted. Absolutely. You know, there's, I think also, to some degree in human nature, a tendency to want to give our power away. Um, and then there are people who recognize, hey, they're giving power away. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll you. Yeah, I'll be your I'll be your whatever. Um, and I, I don't, perf you know, I can't say where that comes from but even in the most empowered people they'll have a moment where they're victims to something where they want to give away their power they don't want responsibility for themselves in that venue they don't want whatever um and i might have said that too generally but when you're trying to find your own moral compass what's right what's wrong you know finding your own integrity that can be a confusing process. And religion gives a structure to it. It says, here's some guidelines, or here's some hard, fast rules, depending on the, the religion, right? And as you live, you either bounce against those rules and go, yes, that works for me. Or you bounce against those rules and go, oh, no, thank you. And... um and I do believe there are people that just don't want to take responsibility for their own autonomy, their own choice. They would much rather believe that 
God did this to me or the universe did this to me or the fates did this to me. And I, <laughs> I'm messing this up. <laughs> no, no, this is great. And, you know, it, it actually reminds me of, of what, of what we've talked about personally, actually, because I was never, uh, I didn't grow up in a very strict religious, um, family. I, I come from a Jewish family, but you know, it was, it was loosely oriented and I was never sort of enraptured by those beliefs. And yet when I discovered my own spiritual path and started, you know, working with you in terms of my, and the guides that I was hearing, I was actually very quick to start surrendering all my power and being like, okay, they're just going to tell me what to do. And, you know, and because there was a lot that I feel I did need to surrender to, that a lot of my thinking was attempting to control the situation. And yet you would often and still do say to me to come back into balance that it's not really about giving all my power away to these other spirits or beings, that it's still filtered through my own knowing and and uh, what I'm here to create. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> All I can say is yes, yes, yes. We surrendering to and trusting to surrender is a hard word for a lot of people, right? Yeah, yeah. Surrender, serve. I mean, there's there's some words that are just like, you want yeah. me to what? I yeah. don't think so. And I was certainly one of those. Like, you want me to what? I don't think so. I'm gonna create my path. I'm gonna march to my own beat. And but guidance from you know the God of your heart or the divine or which, whatever names you want to put on it. It's a soft voice, but it's persistent and it's constant and it's there. And when you connect to it, you know, it says, Hey, I think you should go this way to work. And you're like, yep, this way is 10 minutes faster. Google will prove it. It shows it right here. So like, I think you need to go this way to work. You're like, all right, when I go this way to work. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late, blah, 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 blah. But maybe you see you know, a house for sale or you see just a quote on a bulletin board that it's like, like, oh my gosh, that's just that. That's just the words I needed to hear today. Or you get to work and you find out that other road, there was a big accident. And had you not turned off when you did, you'd have been smack dab in the middle of it. You know, so there's guidance which is great. <laughs> I live by it. I surrendering to that doesn't mean. Yeah. Just saying, tell me what to do, please. I mean, it's, it's a weird balance. Cause I do <laughs> say, tell me what to do, please. Tell me. It is. I'm, <laughs> it's a work in progress for me too, because, and I, and you said this to me that uh, I believe in so many words that surrender and manifestation are really kind of the same thing it's it's this dance or this or this co-creation between yeah allowing uh guidance to come through and i can't exactly explain to friends why i might drive 35 minutes to buy this secondhand garbage can for 20 dollars when i could just get it off i just got a yes to do it. And I didn't question it. And maybe for my personality, I needed to go to the extreme where I literally surrendered everything that I could 
to discover, okay, maybe I don't need to <laughs> to give away everything and I can I can come, but maybe I just kind of needed that because I didn't know how else to give up what I knew to be the other f- form of of thinking or guidance that I was listening to. Right. Well, we we grow up with the information that our parents give us or that society gives us. You know, our analytical mind only knows what it's been exposed to. So when you're two, when you're three, and you're like, what's that? What's that? What's that? Why? 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 Whatever answers they give you, your brain writes that in. Fills it in the blank. Here is the truth. Because, you know, really as young kids, our parents or whoever our primary caregiver is might as well be God. They feed us. They provide for us. They take care of us. Um, and so if they say that that's what that is, whoop, that's what that is. Um, as we get older and we, you know, sometimes these, you know, I don't remember where I was going with this, but now here's where I'm going with it. <laughs> Truth is dependent on the corner of the room you're standing in. Right. Um, and even Carolyn Mice in one of her books, I think it's the, one of her chakra books. Anyway, what she starts out saying is when she was looking and learning and using her skills, you know, it's like very much like if a skyscraper is on fire in the center of a city block and you've got people watching it from all around and you interview them, their story will all be completely different, even though everybody knows they're looking at the same fire. And the person on the third floor of the building and the person on the roof of the building are going to have different stories. And they're all true. There's not a single one of them that isn't true, even if they don't match. (laughs) And so being able to kind of understand that there is truth in people's thoughts and the things we get, the information we have, sometimes they're blinders, right? This is the truth. There's nothing out here. And when we surrender that concept of truth or surrender our knowledge as being all there is, then, then the divine God can say, or guides, whoever can say, Hey, come walk over to this corner of the building. And you're like, Oh, oh, wow. That's totally different over here. Mm. Um, You Mm. know, that kind of information. And it doesn't mean that things aren't necessarily true. I just, Truth for me is where you find it. It <laughs> depends on the corner of the room and it might uh, expand. Yeah. You know, it, if it comes into direct contradiction for me, I have to spend a lot of time. I'm like, okay, there's obviously something in here. There's a lie in one of these truths. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said that to you before the lie in your space around this is this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, and often they come in just right together. Right. Um, and, and it's not like somebody deliberately told you a lie, but if your parents value one thing very strongly and it marries into something else, you may be carrying that around with you, even if it's not your truth, because yeah. that's just how we learned it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, truth may be simply about expanding the possibilities of what you're, of what you can see that you have not been able to see previously. Um, that has certainly been 
been the case for me. And then, and then I can choose. And then I can right. choose what feels most true for me. Oh, that's right. That's where I was going with when you were like, I got to surrender to the guards, your, your garbage can story. It's like, <laughs> well, you asked about that and they said, yes. If you had said, could I buy it off of Amazon for $10 and have it ship my door? The answer still might have been yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't necessarily that there was a problem with going to hear it. But sure. Yeah. You want to go there? Go do that. Yeah. I don't have any problems with it. Uh, <laughs> you know, the way. The way we ask questions of our guides is really important. And I'll just, I'll just give you a, a funny, true to me. If you all want to know I'm human, I am. Here's a story. Okay. <laughs> so 2016, I, uh, I had a van that I'd been driving a long time, had 250,000 miles on it. It's like, I need a new van. I was like, you know, working with my inner self. Do I need a new van? Yes. So like go down to this car lot. And they happened to be having a big sale. That wasn't my intention. I just kind of wanted to see what was out there. A big sale, right? And I get in and test drive. And there's only a couple cars, but there happens to be a van. I'm like, well, would this van work? What I asked was, I asked, do I need a new van? And I asked, I asked, is this is this van reliable? That was, and the answer to both of those were yes. And so I'm like, okay. I need this. I need to do this. And anyway, spent like 14 hours down there, all the credits. Like, and yet there was part of me on the inside that was like, we didn't come here to buy a van to Why? What are you doing? What are you, and I could feel the hooks of how they get you to buy. And I could feel the stuff. And they even had me apply for a loan. And at that time, I wasn't working at all. My husband was the sole breadwinner. I'm like, sure, I put down my name. But of course, my name comes up on the taxes with his, whatever. So they approve this whole loan. They do the whole thing. My husband hasn't even talked to me. And I'm like, this is the craziest thing. And in my internal voice, my inner voice, the quiet one was like, no, 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 no. But the way I was asking the questions to my guides or the things, you know, it was like, well, the answer to that question was yes. Yes. But I wasn't asking should I buy this van today? Is buying this van today the best thing for me? I never asked yeah. that question. You right. Know? <laughs> right. And so the way we asked the question, anyway, brought the van home. My husband and I had a big fight. He drove the van back, canceled <laughs> the loan, the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it was like, because, you know, but, and in reality, I would not have been happy with that van anyway. But the point being, we have to, understand are we asking the questions we want the answers to or are we just asking questions (laughs) yeah yeah and that clarity um is feels to me more like an art than an algorithm uh something absolutely um so i know we only we only have a little bit of time left i wanted to ask um Speaking of of what you do now, and uh, you know, as it appears to me, and and all the the certifications you've received, and everything I know that you've done and experienced personally, you have so many different talents and abilities within or under the umbrella of being psychic. How do you like? How do you honestly keep them all straight, or do you even try to, or how do you sort of relate to them differently? Are they? Are they all connected under a kind of root core psychic or intuitive ability that you hold on to? Or do you see them almost as like qualitatively separate 
categories, like truly different areas of study and practice? So there's two ways I can, it's like when you experience the world, do you separate sight, sound, taste, smell, the feel of your skin, or is it all come together? That's, that's a good way to see it. So when I experience my other talents, they just, they kind of come in and layer, right? I, I just get all the information. Now, taking that information, understanding it, communicating it back, that takes, that takes some process. Um, so that's one way. And then if you ever studied art, you know, somebody who does detailed charcoal pencil sketches may be fantastic at that. And they might be able to take clay and kind of shape it, but they may not be a sculptor, <laughs> you know? And so there's nuances. Um, for me, my strongest sense and many people on this planet is, is actually clairsentience. I feel the emotion. I feel the energy first in my body. And then I see images. I hear information. I just know. So the training I had through uh, Berkeley Psychic Institute and even the healing schools was like, okay, so you've got your hands in the aura here. Can you differentiate the layers? Okay, yeah, it's that layer. I'm feeling spaghetti. Okay. Make a note. What does spaghetti mean? And that's where I often then ask for a picture, a symbol, a word. And when I'm working with somebody, I try to actually use those words. Maybe they won't know. Maybe they will know. But it's like what I'm seeing is or what you're showing me. Because usually you're showing me a picture that means something that then I can (laughs) look at it or yeah, you know, when I work totally clairvoyantly, I look at a color. I'm like, okay, there's purple and blue and yellow, and the yellow seems great. It's flowing. You know, what what's what's caught in this purple that it's not working? And I ask those questions and I get words, visions, information, and it just kind of uh the the biggest thing for me, and I think for any psychic really is taking the information and making your own kind of compendium, encyclopedia, or whatever of information that then you can test. You know, sometimes there's just a symbol, and it always means that. (laughs) It's just how I communicate to myself. Uh, Other times, it can be, you know, very fluid. It's like, ooh, yellow, yellow for this person in this way is, oh, that's their mother's energy hemming them in. For another person, that same hue of yellow is is their freedom and i only know that in context to everything else i see in their space so people that come to me are like well what does red mean like well what does red mean to you yeah (laughs) well and because you know i will see i will have visions when i'm working with people or even just you know in my own meditations but it's still there I'm still ultimately relying on my own inner knowing of what that vision means. I just have a sense. I have a feeling of, of what that's know. representing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and is there, so, and so how do you decide which sort of um, sense or ability to use? How do you, how do you choose? Um, well, that's been a process through training, you know, like 
like I said, uh, or I started to say, if I didn't, you know, my strongest was Claire Santini. And so I'd feel an emotion and it'd be like, well, is that mine? No, that's not me. Who does that belong to? <laughs> Who's feeling that? Oh, it's that guy over there. <laughs> you know, and being able to siphon that and be like, I have, I have no desire to feel that. And, and I think for me in a way, a lot of it was figuring out how to be safe in the world. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm not going in that building. No way, no how, uh-uh, not going there. <laughs> Can't make me. Um, but the, the training through Berkeley Psychic Institute, they train clairvoyance. They're not saying the others don't exist or that they don't use them. But they're like, okay. You know, if you're like, and and actually all people, I believe, have all all of these abilities. It's just whether you've trained them, whether you know them, and that doesn't mean that they're perfect. You know, everybody can sing, but some people can sing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to train the clairvoyance. If you, if you're feeling an energy, okay, bring that feeling up to your sixth chakra. What does it look like? Do you see a color? Do you see a symbol? You know, that's, that's the training they, they give you is how to, take all this information what do you know about that color that's that's claircognizance that's the seventh chakra right what does it sound like what's it resonate at uh the healing work i do i do a lot of resonance meaning if i want to show you an energy in your space that's that's causing a block for you i will put my energy over it and then i will start resonating it i'll get it to wiggle through energy vibration by doing it in my field first mm -hmm. and then i'm like okay see this this isn't you this down here this is you mm. feel the difference this isn't you feels icky <laughs> or feels whatever and once people get it because you'll feel it in your own and people feel energy whether they know it or not it's like once you get it then most people go oh and the, you just actually let it go and I just help it move out. So that's a lot of what I do with, with block removal. It's just like, here it is. What do you want to do with it? And some people are not ready to remove a block. They're like, okay, yeah. well, I'm just saying that's where it is. <laughs> yeah, now you know ready. where it is. And here's, here's some energy that might be around it. And uh, some sessions, people want all the communication, tell me everything. And then they get freaked out when I tell them everything. <laughs> I mean, some people are really interested in it, but there have been people who are like, oh, I didn't think you'd see all that. Like, well. And there are <laughs> some times where it's just totally quiet, where I just do that and move that and people work. And it's so everything's individual. It, it is interesting the way you describe it because it's like helping people see what isn't them and helping people come to their own. There, there, and I, you've used this word before with me: signature frequency and resonance. Um, and it reminds me, similar to you saying, discovering how to feel safe in the world. You know, in the clinical world, we talk a lot about trauma, and the ideas of trauma are these layers of conditioning that isn't really you, isn't your authentic self, but is a lot of these conditioned beliefs and and neural wire wiring in the brain scanning for danger and threat that that convinces you that it's you that oh i'm right. just this really 
anxious and depressed person, but if you can see it energetically and, and help it to wiggle and see that, oh, wait, that's actually, that's, that's not part of me. It's, it's like connected to me right now, but it doesn't have to be. Right. Yeah. Actually, a lot of the blocks are from, I mean, I call them energetic wounds where something yeah. scared you at some point or something made you feel not enough or not worthy. And we don't like that feeling. Nobody wants to be scared. So we just, just, you know, I was laughing at myself the other day. Cause I, I, you know, as much as I work on people, I work on myself 10 times more. <laughs> like I'm always in, in work with myself, but it was like, if you got a paper cut, right? Paper cuts don't feel good. They hurt really bad. They're not dangerous. They don't really, you know, unless you're going to stick it in like, raw meat or something that would be dangerous but but of itself the paper cut isn't that dangerous but it hurts so if you wrap it up in gauze and then you're walking around and, and you bump it right you're like oh yeah there's that paper cut so you wrap it up in more and you wrap it up more until pretty soon you're like oh yeah see this there's something under there that hurts and the paper cut's probably healed long ago but you got all this gauze and you walk around you know that way we do that sometimes sometimes injuries are paper cuts that we have just plastered over and plastered over and we're so afraid of the memory of what was there <laughs> we lay it over with all this scar tissue and identify with it rather than actually looking and seeing oh it's, it's it wasn't yeah. that bad and it's not there anymore <laughs> or it doesn't have to be we often talk about peeling the onion right peeling the layers off so you can get down to the core so you can release it yeah, yeah. and i just realized the other day i was like i was peeling an onion down yeah, got kind of to the core, and I was like, "Oh, there's a whole other onion here. Oh, that's an onion I built." Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. I put on, and so. and that's that's really what I love about the bridge between what I know from the clinical psychological world and and the spiritual realm is that we are really just accessing these conditioned layers and what lives underneath because uh, there's not so much to learn as much as there is to kind of remember as i remember see discover yeah, yeah absolutely um you know when i teach classes on how to manage your energy field i'm not telling you how to create your energy field you've already done it and and you know how to manage it because you've been doing it your whole life but much to the anxiety or the, the thing that's not you is like, okay, so I just teach people how, you know, if something comes at them that they know makes them feel anxious, how can you, how can you moderate your field to not have that? How can you learn what's you, what's not you? How can you learn to unmatch? Unmatching is the biggest, not the biggest, I don't know. There's, there's about eight tools that are just the trifecta of <laughs> Like this is this is it. If you can do these eight tools, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so as we wrap up here, I've I've one more question, which is um do you do you have, you know, I I practice in meditation, seeing, you know, seeing a vision of where my life is meant to go and how I'm meant to be of service. Do you have a a vision of where you see your offerings going or expanding in some way, some larger vision? <laughs> for your gift to the world or is it more of a kind of surrender experiment as we've been speaking to that word 
Uh, it goes, it goes back and forth. I get big visions and then I have to surrender. Then I have to address my fear and I get big visions. Yes. um, (laughs) What I know to be true is I am an energy healer. And if I'm not doing it on purpose, then I end up doing it unconsciously or subconsciously. And I'd rather do it on purpose with permission with people who want to be healed. I used to live my whole life in anger and fear and frustration, trying to control and heal everything so everyone would be happy. Everyone would be safe. No one will ever, ever feel any pain. There's there's a lot of responsibility there and a lot of things I can't control. <laughs> so that was a big one. But but to, to simply put it, I want to have a series I, I want to have a sanctuary space a retreat space a a place people can come bring groups come by themselves i don't care and experience themselves and if they have retreat curriculum they want to teach they can come i'll make it easy for them to be there they can do their thing um so that's one part of the vision i want to just create that and i want to be able to teach from there you know, have people come in and, and learn some energy healing to learn energy management. But even if they just want to come and be by themselves or with this group of people in a sanctuary space, then that's it. So that's, that's kind of one big vision. Um, I yeah. do see myself teaching more and more teaching uh, less and less. I don't know. When I started, I thought I was just going to be like, Come see me. I'll give you a reading of, you know, whatever. But the more I did it, the more I'm like, I really have, and this sounds cold, but I really have no interest in telling you what your answers are. <laughs> you, you're going to discover or know them, or I could tell you very clearly, don't do this, do that, do that. And if your path is to learn the contrast, you're going to go, oh yeah, she, she said that, but, but I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And then, you know, six months later, a year later, people are like, you know, you called it. You told me not to do that. And, but I just, to me, that isn't fun and it isn't helpful. Well, you could just become another God, another parent, another conditioner. Please, no. I'm not your guru. I'm not your parent. Yeah. You know, Um, but if people are working through a process and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck on this energy, I'm stuck in this pain and I don't know how to you know then helping them see what what the core of that pain is or or that it's not them it's like yeah that's just a pain you've been carrying around that that's you know something your mother told you was painful or whatever it's like helping them see who they are and access their own information and come into integrity with their own vibration that's exciting to me yeah that's you know, and, and body healing is another version of that, you know, pain in the aura and pain in the body happen. Energy in my, in my experience, and people will argue, that's okay. Energy first, physical second. So where there's energy that's stuck, not moving, can't go anywhere, that creates a dense spot, a block, a pain that becomes a pain in the body. And if it's there too long, it becomes a pain that creates other pain, (laughs) cancers, diseases, whatever. 
The other one is if you have been trained to carry or allow other people's energy into your space. So empaths, other people are like, just give me all your stuff. I can carry it. I can digest it for you. I can heal it. They can. And they carry eventually so much that's not theirs. They gain weight. They have digestive problems. They have pain in their body because it's energy that's not theirs that they are trying to metabolize for other people. And, yeah. you know, you just can't pee for people. <laughs> Well, I certainly, I certainly recognize with the carrying around other people's energies is something I did unconsciously for a long time. Um, we all, we all do. And um, well, that's a beautiful vision. And I wonder if your early foray into landscape design may show up later in life as you design this sanctuary of your dreams. You know, everything, everything always does. I, I've learned that even when I think, oh, that was a weird digression. It's like, oh, turns out I'm using that today. <laughs> oh, yeah. turns out I'm using that today. Um, so, yeah, if you guys, if you've ever felt like you're wasting your time, you're not. You're just teaching yourself stuff you didn't know you need to, to, to know yet until you need it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this is um, this has been wonderful, Shereen, and, and uh, wonderful for me to, to learn a bit more about you, even after having benefited personally for... Uh, for this long. Um, so as we wrap up here, how, how can people find you, uh, if you'd like them to on the web or otherwise, and would you say, would like to say anything about any upcoming offerings or events or, or things that you're doing? Um, yeah, my website is by far the easiest way to find me, uh, which is limitless spirit with the hyphen between those two words, mm -hmm. uh, dot com. There is a contact form on there. It does work, at least periodically. I've tested it, and it seems to work. Um, so that's by far the easiest. There's also, uh, I do have some social media presence on Facebook. I used to be a lot more consistent with that. And on YouTube, uh, you can see some old videos of me reading cards. <laughs> I haven't done any new ones in a while. Uh, but as social media kind of shifted, it wasn't quite where I wanted to be, but it might come back. Uh, in fact, you know, people ask for that. So we'll see. <laughs> um, I am going to be teaching some energy healing classes, still grounding the curriculum. So that's still in the future. Uh, and retreats. I plan to do nature adventure retreats where we just, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So don't expect the five-star shishi, internet mm -hmm. connection, bottles of champagne. That's probably not what you're going to get. <laughs> but if you like nature and you like to see unusual things and like to have room to connect both with yourself, with nature, with the you know spirit of your heart and with people, that'll be, that'll be something that's upcoming. Uh, had one planned for the end of September, but have, uh, moved it due to a variety of reasons. So it's, yeah, most of those are still probably a year away. But. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Shireen. This is, uh, this has really been wonderful. And um, I'm sure of service to many who will listen to it. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And uh, I am, I'm sure that I'll be reaching out soon for, 
for my own reasons soon enough. <laughs> Sounds good, Dan. I look forward to it. And, you know, maybe it'll be fun to talk some more if you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could definitely have you back. All right. Well, thanks again. Take Thank care you. for now. Bye, everyone.